all, you can't really talk about the early second wave of the women's movement without talking about This is a WLRN extended interview. Greetings. This is Thistle Pedersen. I caught up with Venice Allen, women's rights campaigner from the UK organization Standing for Women, via Skype on Monday, September 7th, to talk with her about what happened at Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park in London on August 30th, when a group of Black Lives Matter demonstrators confronted her group that was just finishing up their speeches. Venice asked me to change BLM to BTLM in the title of this piece to emphasize the takeover of the Black Lives Matter movement by trans activism. As you will hear in Ms. Allen's account, many of the BTLM demonstrators had signs, t-shirts, and placards about Black trans lives. Okay, good morning. I've got the wonderful Venice Allen on the line this morning. How are you today, Venice? Hi, Thistle. I'm very well. It's actually my afternoon. Oh, it's your afternoon. Of course, there's Mm -hmm. that big pond between the two of us. That's right. Okay, well, we're on the line today to talk about what happened at Speaker's Corner on August 30th. Mm-hmm. Can it, tell us about the event. What, who organized the event and what was happening at that event? Okay, so um, I work for Standing for Women with uh, Kelly J. Keene. And um, we have been working on this campaign this year, starting in March, where we are doing um, Speaker's Corner events. So we go to Hyde Park Speaker's Corner, which is the traditional Speaker's Corner in this country. Um, And we do an an event like once a month on a Sunday, which is when all the other speakers are there too. Um, So we did one in March. We did one in, I can't remember what month it was when we did one in London. Then in August, we did one in Edinburgh, where they have a traditional speaker's corner, which hasn't been used since the 1960s. And then at the end of August, we did our last event so far um, on the bank holiday weekend. So we did our regular event there. And it and it got a lot more interest than usual because um, we had a sort of clash with a BLM march. And so it's generated a lot of conversation. Um, the the strapline for the kind of event um, series is called Taking Back the Public Square One Corner at a Time. And the idea is to kind of get off, well, the idea for years with all the events that I've organised and Kelly has organised, the idea is to get off social media and into real life, into meet space and for all kinds of reasons and that's what it, they're gaining momentum and there were quite a lot of people come to listen to us um on last Sunday and there were also quite a lot of people at the corner anyway because of all the COVID stuff and BLM there's a lot going on and there's a lot of issues that people want to talk about mm-hmm. um I don't know if you want me to explain more about the setup there at Speaker's Corner yeah, why don't you talk about where you were situated and mm. kind of 
set the scene for us before sure. we move on to the yeah. confrontation. Sure. Well, um, Speaker's Corner is actually a very large part of Hyde Park, which is one of our main royal parks in central London. And the tradition for speaking there goes back around 400 years to when the gallows used to be situated there. And before you were hanged, you were allowed to give a last speech. And then after the gallows moved, there were other, um, the, the speech tradition, speech making tradition remained. And a lot of our rights were gained at that space through demonstrations there, um, like the right to assembly, um, the, uh, you know, in the 19th century, a lot of um, activity around the Reform Act happened there. And then um, fast forward 100 years ago, it was a great site for the suffragettes and um, women's rights and the, the right to vote. And then it has remained to this day and you can get several hundred people there, sometimes thousands if something's going on. But just on a normal Sunday, you'll get several hundred people there, mainly men, mainly religious men many religious men arguing with each other, so Christians arguing with Muslims, different kinds of Muslims arguing with each other. Um, and then you'll have usually uh, three or four anti-feminist men speaking, and everybody goes down on their little stepladder. Everyone takes their own stepladder and stands, although it's a huge area, it, nobody really knows that Speaker's Corner is that large, and so people kind of gather together. And so it it's always a very lively space. It's a, it's a space unlike any other space that I've ever been to, where there's just people milling around, there's people on stepladders, which you can go and listen to, but then you can just go up to anyone and say, what do you think about nuclear nuclear weapons? Or what do you think about, what do you think happened to Madeleine McCann? Or, or anything, you know, um, and that's literally what happens. And it's quite refreshing to be in a social space where you can just go up to strangers and have a conversation, not about yourself or in a chatting up kind of way, but you can talk about ideas and issues. So we went down there this Sunday. I'd say about 150 people came to see us. It's hard to tell exactly who's come to see us and who's just there and is interested because... As you can imagine, Kelly J is quite an icon down there for people who aren't even very much attached to our issue. And so, because she's very striking, you can see her a mile off. And she's a free speech YouTuber, you know, so um, she's got a lot of fans. So a lot of people come over. So we set up our live stream, which actually didn't work very well this time. But uh, we set up a, you know, a live stream to Kelly J's YouTube and have our own stepladder, a few banners behind us. And we all take turns to give a speech. I think this time, maybe about 10, 12, 15 women gave speeches, including myself. Um, some will, like, I, I've kind of got into the habit of every time we have one of these events, spending a few days writing a speech and then just reading it out. Um, others will stand up more spontaneously who maybe didn't come to say something but then end up feeling inspired to speak. Um, so it's a real mixture. We don't, at our events in, in London, we don't refuse anybody a chance on the soapbox. We've even let a man speak once on our stepladder after all the women had spoken and the women that we've invited to speak or encouraged to speak on the moment may not may not agree with us about 
everything or anything. So that's basically the setup. Does that make sense? Yes, it sounds wonderful. And yeah. from from the video that I saw of the confrontation with the BLM protesters, mm -hmm. that tradition was carried out. You know, yeah. I, I, until the the vandalism and the sign being yeah, but even that at the time, down. at the time that it kind of ramped things up. Like as if you watch the videos, you can see that the atmosphere was ramped up after that. But at the same time, we didn't get the police involved, or it didn't. You know, it was it was horrible and and kind of in a, done in an aggressive way. But our kind of attitude was like kind of whatever. It's just a poster, um, and carried on talking. And and it, and it's very difficult if you've watched a lot of the videos because there's so many different videos that have been put out by different people, different sides, and also neutral observers. Who because there's a lot of filming going on at Speakers Corner anyway, with all the other groups. Um, so if there's any kind of confrontation, everybody's all over it. Everybody's there, listening observing, perhaps taking a side, you know. Um, so it's impossible. There's not one thing that happened because with every single one of those conversations is a thing that happened, you know. Yeah. So you can see in the videos the same conversation taking place, but you can hear various speakers more clearly because the who's filming it and where they're positioned. And so, yeah, I mean, as far as I know, it was quite crowded anyway. And then I was just, the speeches had finished. And then I just became aware of everybody shouting trans women and women. And then people from our group shouting trans women and men. Obviously, if I hear anyone shouting trans women and men, I'm going to join in. But I didn't know how it started or what happened um, because I wasn't watching at the time. But um, at the very beginning, there were quite a lot of men who were shouting it. So I kind of went right up there and... There were quite a lot of our women from behind us, maybe older women, people who are quite scared about COVID-19, um, who found it, you know, they were feeling very squashed. So I was trying to sort of physically, verbally push these men back and women that were with them. Um, and so it, at the beginning, it was very shouty. But then they eventually they moved on. There were some conversations then, some of which have been recorded, some obviously haven't. Then eventually they moved on and then had a meeting in the park. We were all standing around in little groups, just like in Speaker's Corner, how it is. But with that kind of atmosphere of what had just happened. And then some people came back to talk to us, some of the girls that are in a lot of the videos that the video that I put out and other people put out talking to those um, group of young women um, about trans issues, obviously disagreeing. And then the poster got ripped at that point. And then the kind of conversations went kind of ramped up a bit. And, you know, people were angry. I think two of the young people were recorded on video saying that they were trans, they were non-binary. So there's obviously a lot of it, personal kind of anger from them seeing us as transphobes you know and then there was a lot of um just discussions between the sides some more angry than others one discussion that wasn't filmed was with the same girls at the end where actually I had a really good conversation with one of them I don't know what other conversations were going on there and I, I wasn't filming it and I think that makes a difference as well how you 
how you have a good conversation. If you're sticking a phone in someone's face, it's not necessarily going to be the best conversation. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So how did the whole confrontation start? Like, was the BLM march coming through the park and it should have just gone by you? And I'm not sure exactly. Happened? I'm not sure. Again, it's piecing the whole thing together is a bit like a history lesson. You know, when you learn to, like, look at all the different sources and work out what the motivation for what they're communicating is. I don't know exactly what happened because, as I say, I was just in the middle of the crowd and then it all started happening. Some people, I have seen people say that they had left our meeting because it had finished and then had seen the BLM protest sort of prepping to come past us and saying that, right, we're going to go and talk to the transphobes and tell them what for. That's what I have heard. Um, Posey says herself, Kelly J says herself, that she saw them all coming towards us with the trans signs. Quite a lot of them did have trans signs. One of them had a sign saying something like, nine out of ten trans kids have tried to kill themselves. Something like that. Um, and a lot of Black Trans Lives Matter signs. So, um, but she says she saw a sign and and then shouted. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But, you know, I think they did deliberately come past us. But that's, again, that's the tradition of Speaker's Corner. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. To come and confront us because that's what that's what that's what it's yeah. like. Yeah, I you know for all of its chaos, when I watched the video last night of the mm. woman with the long blue fingernails mm-hmm. trying to have a conversation mm. with, I believe it was Posey at that time. Mm. Um, she both parties were trying; they were shouting, but and and, and, and very passionate. Mm. But you didn't get the feeling that anyone was going to punch anyone no. or, or that a gun was going to come out. Can you no, talk no, about no. that a little yeah, bit in light I, of me being, me being from the United States where I don't know that we could ever do something like this? Yeah, I think you know? it is much easier to have what we call have a Barney, you know, an argument in Britain because we don't have that sort of climate of fear that's created by gun culture. Um, I know that when, you know, just being in the United States myself as a younger woman, having a few confrontations with strangers on the street that turned really nasty really quickly and quite scary. Whereas here in England, Britain, you know, it's the same in Scotland, I think in Wales, you know, there's a lot of kind of shouting going on in an everyday life. You know, people are, you know, swearing at each other, shouting. I, um, I actually, yeah, I remember that video the Karen video from America earlier this year where the guy's going she flipped me off she flipped me the bird or whatever and I'm like what does that even mean and then I I found out that it meant giving her the finger he she gave him the finger like in and actually a very similar thing happened to me in America where I stuck my finger up at someone and they followed us for ages and started shouting at my boyfriend it was really scary whereas in England we're always doing that you know, because we don't have the uh, we don't have this underlying fear that it's going to end in violence, especially among British women. I mean, it's, it's very unusual in a mm-hmm. in a non uh, often there's brawls after pubs close and stuff when people are drunk, but in the daytime when people aren't drunk, it's very unusual for women to fight here. You know, so there was never in the back of my mind. I never felt scared by these women, and I, I'm pretty sure they didn't feel scared by me and Posey. You know. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yet there, you know, I think people saw it as something negative. At least a lot of viewers that mm. I talked with mm. saw the confrontation as, as a violent confrontation, mm. not a real conversation because people were shouting in each other's mm. faces. You know, but that's what it's like know, there. That's what it's like at Speaker's Corner. You've got to remember that it's this is very unusual. It's very interesting, the legislation around Speaker's Corner, which I've obviously had to research doing our first event there. You're not allowed to do a protest at Speaker's Corner without permission. Um, and if you actually ask the Royal Parks for permission, they'll give you another site in Hyde Park to go to. You're not allowed to protest at Speaker's Corner. You're not allowed to organize an event. You're not allowed to say on social media, come to my event. You're allowed to say on social media, I'm speaking at Speaker's Corner this weekend. But you're not allowed to say, hey, we're organizing a protest. So a lot of the commentary I've seen, negative and positive about our event at Speaker's Corner completely misses the point that it's not a protest. It's just us going to exercise our free speech because our free speech is under threat, you know, because of this whole trans issue and other issues. And um, so we are really trying to take back that real life space. This is what this is about. So actually, you're not allowed any amplification of sound there. You're not allowed to have the loud hailers. You're not even allowed to have posters and flags. Um, really, although people do. But so the protests going through, the police were trying to move them on anyway, even if they hadn't been in confrontation with us, because you're not, because actually what they were doing was illegal. But obviously, you know, the police don't want, they don't want to have a confrontation when they don't have to, especially with BLM supporters, you know. So um, they had loud hailers, but we didn't. And so the whole thing at Speaker's Corner, it's not like giving a speech inside a room. You have to shout the whole thing, and it's very slogan-based, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. otherwise no it's one a, hear you. It's a wonderful tradition. And, it is. You know, after uh, the first time I viewed the video and I saw the women, a black mm. woman and a white woman yelling in each other's faces mm. and nobody getting a word in edgewise, it felt really negative to me, and mm. I thought, oh, this is... But I was worried thing, yeah. more about how it was going to be construed as mm. white women being racist against mm. black women, which mm. we can talk about that later because I mm. know that has has happened mm. um, since then. And But then when I watched it again last night, I realized that both women were trying to have a conversation, but mm. it was just a very lively a chaotic environment like you said mm. everybody's filming and there's a bunch of different conversations happening all around mm. the mm. main conversation or who knows if it was even the main conversation somebody mm. was there with a video camera yeah so there was a lot of chaos but it was it was people because there's a lot of pressure and tension about this yeah. issue it's yeah. like a pop bottle and it's yeah. been shaken up and, and when personal. you take the top off it's going to explode, but that doesn't mean that it's violent. It means no. these, that women are passionate and that we want to have, it's been suppressed for so long. This yeah. conversation has been suppressed for so long. It's yeah. bound to come up in a somewhat impassioned, jagged way that, that may feel negative to some people. You are listening to WLRN. I heard a report online that some other members of the BLM movement uh, made a statement 
distancing themselves mm. from the individual protesters that mm. confronted you that day. Yeah, I don't know who that guy was. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just saw that. And I thought, fair enough. I, I, I don't know if he... I mean, the thing is, BLM itself is not a particularly coherent organization. There's loads of different branches. There's different groups. There's going to be a lot of different opinions within those groups. It's the same with all groups. Um, and it seems very much the kind of pattern of activism this, these days that you have all these different disparate voices. I don't think a lot of the people who support BLM um, support the trans thing, which is deep in the heart of their manifesto. Like, they probably don't even know it's there. Um, but we know how trans is sneaked into every single activist movement like nowadays like the women's march and pride and um extinction rebellion extinction rebellion that was the one yeah you know all of these things they all you know you look at their manifestos it's almost word for word the trans kind of capture of their manifesto um but obviously these particular people it was important to them and they did have signs and they did i believe choose to come past us to have that confrontation and conversation and um you know and they did rip our sign up and at that point maybe we should have just ended the conversation um but i've also felt that a lot of these people are a lot younger than me and just because two of them did that stupid thing it was still worth having that conversation as i say at the end i had this really good conversation with a young woman who was friends with all of that lot and she really totally understood and was worried about the damage that transgenderism is is posing to children to vulnerable adults you know um to women in vulnerable women in prison etc so um it's always worth to have the conversation but what you've got to remember about speaker's corner is that it's not we're not doing it and nobody else is doing it. no one else is there for the optics, it's about the real life conversation. It's about that moment. And as much as it may be recorded and broadcast and streamed or whatever, that's not the point. The point is the real life space, you know. So I don't really care what anyone says. I mean, I do care. I don't like being lied about, you know. Some of these things that reports have come out of it, just you know it just it encourages people with huge platforms just to make stuff up and that really annoys me i'm like talk to me about what i did what i said fair enough i'm happy to to stand up for myself to argue to have an open mind and maybe maybe change my mind but i won't be lied about i just can't engage mm -hmm. them, talk about the accusations of racism that Ooh. you've seen well you know i saw you know a couple of days it's hard to say because I'm not on Twitter. And I don't use Mum's Net, so I haven't read all the all the commentary about it. But I know that some high-profile uh, women who have tens of thousands of people on their Twitter, you know, have said, "Well, Kelly J. Keene or Posey Parker or whatever you want to call her, she's a very controversial figure. She's tweeted all this stuff about Islam in the past, you know, blah blah blah." And so they, so then they see her shouting it with a black woman. Oh, that, that's a really bad look, you know. Um, I don't know. It's like almost like, I mean. But then I then then people come along. Then these women will 
because I was quite visible in the videos. Usually the focus is on Posey and I like that. And that's how we work together, that she's like the front man and I'm the behind the scenes. Um, but obviously in this situation, there was lots of video of me. So then they're just going to say, just make stuff up. Like I've tweeted about Islam and grooming gangs and stuff like that, which, you know, that's another issue to talk about Posey stuff. I've, I, I don't have much objection to what she has ever said about these things. I think it's not racist what she said. It's not Islamophobic, but that's a different conversation. It's absolutely got nothing to do with me, what Posey tweeted in 2014. Do you know what I mean? But people are saying, you know, actually naming me, I've seen Posey in Venice talk about grooming gangs. It's like, no, you haven't, because I've never posted about that, because it's yeah. not anything I know about, you know? You know, these com so-called conversations Ooh. with 10,000 people online... Yeah just don't compare with the real life conversation that you can have at speaker's corner. Do they? No. I mean, there's and so much misinformation you know, out there. The worst one was a, a trans activist, that awful uh, Sally Hines. I don't know if you're aware of her. I think she's some kind of like gender studies teacher and sort of some kind of university in, I don't know, somewhere in Britain. And um, she, you know, she's always on at us. She's always trying to discredit us and smear us, you know, for years. And she was all over the speaker's corner stuff saying that, because what the trans activists were saying was that not only were we racist, talk, you know, shouting and patronizing, I think in Pink News they said mocking black women. I don't think there's any mocking going on. Um, you know, so the trans activists say that, but they were also saying, the trans activists were also saying that my argument was wrong, that when I was arguing that women are oppressed on the basis of our re reproductive capacity, they were actually saying that was wrong, yeah? Fair enough, they think that's wrong because they're genderists, you know? And so they obviously think that, just like the girls I was talking to, that that was an outdated opinion. But then you see feminists who are on our side who know that we are women are oppressed on the basis of our sex, sort of, sort of, not talking about anything that was said, but all about image, all about the optics, how it looks, and 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 one to so this Sally Hines tweets: Will anyone condemn? Will any GC feminist condemn Venice Allen's behaviour at Speaker's Corner? And then she she adds quite a lot of people who she knows probably doesn't like me very much anyway. None of them take the bait. None of those women. I think one of them actually, even though she can't stand me, actually defended what I said and did. And then this other high-profile feminist, who we all know, comes along on Twitter. Not I, She wasn't even asked. Comes along and says, yes, I'm prepared to condemn these racists, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what are you doing, woman? So, you know, I actually just texted her and said, right, let's meet for a coffee. <laughs> then I'm meeting her next week. Oh, this week. that's great. Are, are you going to meet up? Yeah, I'm going to meet. I Actually, tomorrow we're meeting. And I, I think that's the way, Thistle, you just have to keep going back to real life and just saying, you know, you can say all kinds of things about me. You can say I'm a loose cannon. I'm bad for, you know, I, I, I um, say silly things. Or you could say I'm stupid. And I make stupid comments that people want to distance themselves from. You can say all of those things about me, Fissel, and that's fair play to you. But you can't make things up about me. You can't say that I was saying this racist thing or 
I was saying this homophobic thing when I wasn't without any evidence, you know. Don't yeah. make things up about me. Criticize my actual actions, but don't make things up because it's just unfair, you know. Yeah. And aren't we uh, all about speaking truth to power on our side? Yeah. Aren't we about saying We're speaking that truth trans- to everyone? Yeah, speak, and speak, speak and the truth. I mean, I feel, Thistle, that they would rather that we just didn't engage with the BLM protest because then it would look racist. Now, that's just weird. Like, we, we right. are supposed to, especially when they're shouting at us, you know, right. what we're supposed to just be quiet. We're not supposed to talk to black women now. It's racist to talk to black women. You know, that's right. what it feels like. And it's like, right. I'm not going to get involved with that. I am not going to get involved with image or optics. You know, I mean, we are engaged with optics. I think that Posey and I are really effective campaigners because in our previous lives before motherhood, we were both saleswomen, you know, so we know how to sell ideas. Yeah. And I think we're really good at it. But I think that it comes down to, I hate to say it, but I think it comes down to the women that are criticizing us so happily on, you know, who are supposed to be on the same side of us. They all get paid to be feminists you know they all are professional feminists whether they're journalists or you know consultants or have books out to promote they are all professional feminists which does involve some kind of like you know image management and um you know you're taking the patriarchy pound you've got to market yourself how you want you know and and so that's why, whereas, whereas all the real stuff that I'm finding, the real response and the understanding and the analysis, even with people who maybe think that it wasn't a good idea to engage with BLM protesters, that it's still reasonable dialogue. They're not making up lies. And these are all just regular women, you know, regular feminists or women's rights activists or whatever you right. call, you know, we're not we're not paid to be feminists, you know, Right. we just are campaigners. And I think that it comes down to that. Oh, Venice. It's so inspiring. I wish that we had a culture in America that we could fit into here, like the speaker's corner culture and history. Cause mm. it's just like, we have nowhere to go to have a, an impassioned dialogue every everyone's so uptight here and fearful and fearful yeah that that's the thing it's a fearful culture there Comp- you know it's fearful everyone has a, you know there's fear in every culture but i think we are less afraid of each other physically here that it's going to end violently you know but, yeah you know I, well I, thank I, you I for providing thank Sorry. you for providing the world with an example Oh. It it really had you really you and Kelly Jean really have been a great team and leaders in the global women's movement. And oh. I know that the women that I'm working with here in the US definitely our hats off to we take our hats off to you and salute you for inspiring well, bit, some, us. <laughs> some love us, some hate us. We don't care. We just do what we we you know, we just do what we can. We're just outraged mothers who just are not going to let this happen on our watch. You know, this is the thing, you know, that's what we, that's what every human being needs to, you know, feel like, you no, know, we're all part of this society 
And I'm going to do my damnedest to make sure that we protect our rights for ourselves and our children. Mm-hmm. I love how you are doing this as quote unquote, regular women, outraged mothers, mm. yet you've got the attention and support from academics and women who are professors and mm. ha- having more of an intellectual discussion about all of this. It, it, your movement in, in the UK just seems from the outside to work in harmony with itself. I know that there's always the, the, the women who are going to be hating on you in the UK, not, not just globally, like you were alluding mm. to earlier. Yes, there are women <laughs> in the United States mm. who also buy into mm. all the trashing stuff. Mm. But overall, there's, there's a harmony in what, what's happening in the UK that we can only aspire to. And I'm just so glad that an example of how the movement could be exists I also think it's, thank you, and I also think, you know, I think it's very much to do with our culture, and I think that Britain, you know, has led the way on a lot of progressive legislation in the past, you know, and I think, I think it's really important what happens here, because I think if Britain can stand up to this, then other countries, other governments can be more confident, you know, um, so it's yep. not just about, it's not just about inspiring other feminists, other women, other grassroots campaigners, I think it's actually inspiring legislators. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really important. Um, because, yep. you know, and, and I, I love, I love actually when I see these kind of tweets or articles in the New York Times, you know, sort of often men, American men, just like, why are there so many turfs in Britain? <laughs> like, I'm just like, you know, turf island and stuff. I'm like, yes. You, know? <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> I love your American accent. Why are there so Sorry. many turfs in Britain? <laughs> but you do oh, see it, don't you? Island. And it just makes me, um, yeah, it makes me beam with pride. Yes. Okay, well, is there anything else you'd like to say to our WLRN listeners? Oh, I don't know what to say. Thank you so much for having me on. And um come to britain when you can and <laughs> and um make uh, what about your libraries are they all closed because of covid uh there's limited access to the libraries oh. it depends on the city um but yeah, yeah. there's some access. it's so annoying that, that i mean that's one of the reasons we've been you know the we've been doing these speakers corner things because they're outdoors and you know it's more covid secure um but I do think when things go back to normal, if they ever do, American women need to use their public libraries to do events mm-hmm. as much as possible. Because, you you know, I have heard actually that Americans say, oh, we don't need Speaker's Corner because free speech is in our constitution. And I think there is a I think there is a fair point there. But, um, you know, you really need to make use of all your free speech because it, whether or not you have it in your constitution, it's the online free speech that is being affected for all of us. It doesn't matter where you live. Because the digital public square is owned and moderated by incels, you know, mm-hmm. and misogynists. And um, so I think, yeah, even if you don't feel safe on the street to do it, you know, think of other real life events where you actually, because the benefits are so, there are so many benefits to real life interaction. You, And the main benefit is the networks 
you know, the relationships that you build. When you know, when you meet someone on, offline, you know, you really c- can get to become friends and comrades and, you know, and help each other. And then you have yeah. more power. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I hope someday that we get to meet uh, in person. <laughs> yeah, same. Thank you again for speaking with me today. And Thank you I, so much. Yeah. Thank you for listening to my interview with women's rights campaigner, jewelry maker, and mother, Venice Allen, who spoke with me about the confrontation between her group from Standing for Women and a group of BTLM protesters at Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park on August 30th in London. If you like what you're hearing and would like to support feminist-powered community radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the Donate button. Check out our merch tab for a nice gift in exchange for your donation. Thanks for staying tuned to WLRN. This is Thistle Pedersen, signing off. Mm-hmm.